0: This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited
1: Network. G'day everyone and welcome to On The Grid, your weekly fix of motorsport with a down-under perspective. Each week we'll talk to the leading lights of Aussie motorsport, unpick the key issues, discuss the trending topics and have some fun along the way. From supercars to the Bathurst 12-hour and everything in between, and I mean everything, this is On The Grid. Now, here's the show's host with the most, Tony Good G'day everyone and welcome to another
2: episode of On The Grid. Thank you so much for joining us. We've got a big show coming up your way, uh, not much racing per se. We will talk a fair bit of supercars though with Mark Walker, Richard Crowell and also Dale Rogers very shortly, as well as our top five motorsport event destinations. We'd love to hear your thoughts as well on our socials. Not much time for much more other than a bit of F1 news. Dale Rogers has that for us. Good day, Dale.
0: Thanks, Tony. The chance of fireworks between the Mercedes and Red Bull Formula 1 teams was a sure bet as the championship resumed at the Hungaroring last weekend. And it took off on the Thursday press conference when Max Verstappen dropped a few F-bombs to the prying media pack at the FIA press conference. He said in no uncertain terms that he was sick to death of the Silverstone questioning, adding, Can we already stop this? We've had already had so many effing questions, it's ridiculous, honestly. All Thursday we've been answering these stupid questions. Can we stop talking about this, please? So it was left to the action to return to the track and controversy number two arrived on Saturday when Lewis Hamilton crawled out of the pit lane for his final uh, qualifying run in Q3 with the two Red Bulls jammed up behind him. For Max and teammate Perez, to fly by Hamilton was not on as it would have brought the tyres up too quickly on a very hot track and Hamilton was using a lot of the racetrack. He kept both Red Bulls behind him, with Perez actually not even able to get in a final lap of qualifying. And so did the race. The Hungaroring Ring has long been criticised as a track that has little to offer modern Formula One, but it keeps delivering great racing. Almost impossible to pass, it means risks must be taken. But the 2021 20, race had added spice with a wet and slippery track greeting the drivers. The start was chaotic. Hamilton away well, Norris with a blinder, Bottas going nowhere and others moving forward. Bottas had been swamped, missed his breaking mark by miles, hit Norris hard at the backside with a large slice of the field, hitting, spinning and taking each other out. For those further back on the grid, the track opened up. Orcon, Sainz, Vettel, another with a lousy start, and the two Williams lads just sailed on through. Not to be outdone by Bottas, Lance Stroll also had a complete brain fade, leaping over the kerbs and taking out even more cars. So the red flag once again appeared at a Formula One race. Daniel Ricardo was a big loser in this, as is actually the second car on the black stuff with the cars all off the track, but he too was spun around. A long and painful day for Daniel would ensue. A wet grid greeted the twenty drivers after running repairs in Pit Lane during the red flag period, so all left the formation lap on intermediate tyres. However, with the sun breaking through and a high ambient, the track dried before their eyes, and nineteen of the twenty cars dived into the pits to change tyres and effectively start the race from Pit Lane. Mercedes leader Hamilton, though, was not called in and did make, or did make the decision to come in and was witnessing one of the most bizarre starts since Indy in 2005 where the six Bridgestone-shod cars went to the grid and the 14 Michelin runners retired to the pits. One lonely Mercedes sat on the grid with the safety car ten rows back for company. Hamilton took the start and the field then motored out of pit lane. It was soon obvious that Mercedes had made a huge tactical mistake and pitted Lewis soon after sending him to the back of the field. Up front, a race-long battle between Orcon and Vettel provided an unlikely podium prospect. Hamilton was on the charge, though, passing the wounded Ricardo and Verstappen on his way until he came up behind fourth-place Fernando Alonso. What was delivered over the last of the next 11 laps was classic Alonso and a classically frustrated Hamilton. In a quicker car on better tyres, Hamilton tried every which way to get past the Alpine, but Fernando was having none of it. Whether he was protecting Orcon's lead or simply having a great time frustrating Hamilton matters little. He did the job. So Orcon won his first Grand Prix. Vettel in second, later disqualified, elevating Hamilton to second and Science to third. Honourable mention, of course, must go to Williams, who ended up seventh and eighth. A wonderful double-point score underpinned by a very emotional George Russell. And so, Tony, off to the summer break, a championship well alive on several fronts will await us at Spa in a few weeks. Back to you in the studio, Tony.
2: All right, time to catch up with the crew special show this week on The Grid, our top five. We'll explain it in just a tick and other things as well. First of all, let's go around the table. Richard Crail, hello to you.
1: Tony Shabeki. that's all I've got. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> oh, I'm well. Good.
2: Uh, Mark Walker,
1: how are you? Tony Shebecki, Richard Crail.
2: Dale Rogers. Hello. <laughs>
0: there he is. I is just thought, pal I pal- thought uh, when Mark just said the other two, I thought, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm done and I've finished now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> all right. uh, of course, all three gentlemen from the Uh Gentlemen, let's uh, have a look at a couple of the stories first before we get into our top five. Uh, of course, the calendar is now out and about we uh, had a little bit of a prediction as to what it might be last week. I think everyone was fairly close in their thoughts on how that was going to end up a shame. We've lost Perth, a shame we've lost New Zealand.
1: And there was a couple who were actually even on the ball
2: with their predictions.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. Shebex, how we managed to do that, but didn't break a single embargo at all. I thought we did quite well uh, in that little, little process in predicting the calendar a week ago. Um, yeah, look, it's it's a calendar, isn't it? It's some certainty. And, and all of the administrators in the sport you talk to throughout the week are saying, look, it'll probably change, but at least we've got something to work towards. And it's a workable scenario, I think, to, to start going back to this in mid-October. Um, that seems to be a, a reasonable deadline. Will Sydney be out of strife by then? Probably not. But uh, all things being equal, Victoria will at least be open and hopefully Queensland are as well. And they're the, the big ticket items that matter for teams in almost every category, as it turns out supports as well. So got some certainty. Um, Winton was always going to be in there somewhere. Phillip Island. I like that's a, a great addition. And though it hasn't been officially announced at the time we record this, it looks very likely that Australian Grand Prix corporation will be promoting that. So that'll be really interesting to see how another group promote a supercar round. Cause normally it's supercars themselves doing that. So that'll be something really interesting to follow um bath is first weekend in november that's the weekend that worked with all the other events that are scheduled in november uh on the mountain logistically to get it up will it stay there i reckon it's 50 50 to move even later than that potentially um and then obviously we go to the gold coast as well um the events that miss out miss out because of border reasons it's as simple as that you can't risk going to wa because they'll lock you out or lock you in um and new zealand by the time they have to commit to to getting the freight organized which is outrageously expensive uh it was too late so hence the reason mark walker and dale rogers there's talk already of a kiwi doubleheader for next year to do a bit
3: of makeup rounds uh, in the future well, i sat here in this very chair this time last week saying oh brisbane's in a bit of strife and here they're in a lot of strife so making up dates for anything in the future you you're pretty much wasting your time, aren't you? I mean, who knows what's going to happen? It's good to have a line in the sand. We've got something to aim at, but uh, this thing's so fluid this way, that way, and everywhere else, you know, you don't know how it's going to pan out. But uh, at least we've got something to aim for and to look forward to in a few months' time, I guess. Uh, the, the, the one that's got my goat was the article on motorsport.com by Andrew Van Leeuwen talking to Sean Seymour about, we're going to fly everyone direct to Bathurst. We're going to save Bathurst by flying them all in there, which is on the – seems to be making the assumption that Sydney might still have dramas, but uh, regional New South Wales will be green and good to go. I don't know about you guys, but pretty much everyone I know drives to Bathurst, don't we? It's just uh, logistically speaking, like all the campers, you've got all your camping gear, you can't fly all that stuff in. Uh, you know, you'd need 10,000 rental cars, and there isn't 10,000 rental cars in Australia left anymore. You can't land something bigger than a dash 80 on that Bathurst runway. It is a quite small regional little airfield there. There's so many things wrong with that thought. He's put it out there. And I don't think that was really the right thing to say because it's not really going to work out. If Sydney's still anything other than, you know, a yellow zone, the borders are still going to be shut. They're not going to make a special exemption for Bathurst to allow 40,000 punters in because it's two hours West of Sydney. So I think everything on Bathurst and certainly the Sydney Super Sprint after that is dependent on Sydney getting its act together and, and sorting out its numbers, which here we sit another week and they haven't. So they've got to start thinking about how they're going to get on top of things.
0: Yeah, I think that one was a thought bubble, Mark. It's a little bit like Elbow's thought bubble this morning that we're going to pay we're in Australia 300 bucks when they get vaccinated. So it's I'd put it in that sort of camp. <laughs> uh, but great to see two rounds of Victoria. The island it's, Look, the island in, uh, at, at time of year will be great. Um, the racing there is great. Unfortunately, it doesn't get a big crowd, uh, which is probably in one respect, uh, from social distancing point of view, could be okay, but it's, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool racing. Then from a Victorian point of view, great to have two events in Victoria, the state that probably couldn't host anything last year is uh, actually mm. coming to the fore. So mm. I think that's all good. And the, the Sydney one is the big question. Obviously Bathurst a huge question, but even the Sydney night race, I think is still a question mark. So um, they've got to get on top of it. We've been through this in Victoria. We know what it's like. Um, But, yeah, I I think the calendar, as it stands, looks great. Um, And if we can get it over the line,
3: fantastic. The one hope I've got with Phillip Island, if it is the Grand Prix Corp running it, is that they normally run a lot of camping down there with MotoGP. And that's something that they haven't done with supercars successfully in the past. If they get that camping element in there, there's no reason why you can't build a crowd around that. No. I'm wondering wondering if that weekend, just
2: based on the fact that it was meant to be the MotoGP, might also be bikes on that weekend as well,
1: superbikes. Yeah, I, I think the understanding is that there'll be a Supers round yeah. next in with that as well because they've got rounds to make up and that's been reported in the media. I don't think that's a secret.
0: Yeah, okay. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty thrilled about that too.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, you, you'll love that, Dale. You'll be able to finally just live your lifelong dream. You go, go down the end of Gardner Straight, turn one, watch your Superbikes. I know you your beloved Superbikes I've seen bikes them, I've seen them many great. times. I've seen MotoGP, but Superbikes. Magic. We're doing a Team TRT uh, MotoGP trip as well. So you'll be able to come along on that. You'll love that. That'd be great. Yeah,
2: Fantastic. great. Hey uh now we speak about the possibility of Bathurst and where it's at and situated and all that sort. Of. Is what is the ramifications of no bathurst
1: in this terrible in this season? Terrible. Shopper. Don't don't think about it. Oh, it's really it's really it. bad Shebex because and we talked about this last week and this is why they're moving heaven and earth. You can get away with a Bathurst without a crowd. They proved that last yeah. year, yeah. but, and and I think what Sean Seymour was talking about with the plane thing was that's their plan. C D E or F or whatever it is to get yeah. teams in. Yeah. Um, and at the very least they have to put on a three day supercar round at Mount Panorama that culminates in a thousand K race that's live on Channel Seven and Fox because otherwise you tear the TV contract up because so much of it's geared towards that event. It is the single highest rated. Car but race even though in even though COVID
2: year. would be the main benefactor, isn't there a thing called force majeure or something? Where you, yeah, but you still no they'll still
1: they'll still lose cash, Shabeks, whether it's force majeure or not. Yeah. So from a financial point of view, for the health of the sport, and bear in mind they're trying to sell the thing at the moment as well. So they're doing everything they can to get a season in and to make sure that the books and the accounts look as good as they possibly can. so It it
0: will will run, Tony, even if it's on Christmas Eve. It'll run. Yeah,
1: the the problem is, Dale, is that they can't go later than the Gold Coast event. A, Queensland's got a contract for this year for that round, but B, the Ashes start the week later, and Seven's committed to that through to January. So for Channel 7, that date is perfect. You could run it the next weekend, but you'd have to buy out um greg evans he promotes challenge bathurst um or you do a deal with arg and buy an extra day at bathurst international but outside of that um it, it's got to run so i, I think that the plan f is it'll be a tv only event hmm. run it behind closed doors there'd be a bubble deal in place where they get everybody in and out of bathurst on its own um run the supercars probably no supports get the event done. It'll still rate its ass off. And yeah. that's the main thing. Always, but they've yeah. got to get it in for Repco and for Channel 7 and Fox.
3: And the, but the thing is with those other November events, supercars are professional. They can afford to fly over on in. Those lower level events oh, the like that are like, they just, not going to happen. You're not going to have that problem with, with space there if there is a, a drama with borders and whatnot.
2: The only other issue with this uh, calendar being rearranged and rechanged is that we have a massive eight-week window now Between uh, our nine week window between our last event, maybe even 10 weeks, Townsville, and our next event in Winton in the first weekend of October. Yeah, well, there's nothing
1: you can do about that, is there?
2: No. They are trying to fill it though with a bit of e racing again.
1: They wanted a summer break, a winter break, so they're getting (laughs) one.
0: (laughs) Tony, I I reckon it's a fine time to reintroduce numerology, so we might. uh, Oh, oh, no.
3: The internet's not ready for that, Dale. Uh, like, come on. Eight,
0: I've got eight weeks of numerology coming your oh, way.
2: I have
1: got a contract to run Supercars Bingo. <laughs> well, maybe we can tell the story of the world's worst gambling experiment in it, a media center ever. In a
0: 12 part special. <laughs> <laughs> it I I
2: was a uh, shock. Sure. The, the world's worst gambling experience might have had something to do with a. Uh, a sweep
1: around a Bathurst 1000, but that's another story. Oh, let's not oh, yeah. True crime
3: podcast series yeah. coming up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> for those, for those wondering what the hell we're talking about at home, Shebeck's got swindled out of $2 for a supercar. No, but that's the thing.
2: Hit. I know I didn't win anything.
3: I, I was more concerned about my fellow <laughs> brethren. It wasn't. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. Really, we've, we've I really didn't. Want, I didn't want my Castrol shirt. We've I was fine with can. it not being presented to me. I got super cheap
0: socks for God's sake. <laughs>
3: I got Jack Smith
1: in that sweep. I was never going to win a thing either, so it didn't bother me. You've never seen a man blow up as much as a Chinese
2: dinner as what I did that night once I found out what had happened.
0: Hello I, I, nice remember well. I remember out. it well. I remember it well.
2: All right, time for us to get into yeah. uh, some serious stuff. And this week we're going to relaunch our top five. We did this last year very successfully a couple of times. And uh, since we do have this uh, nice little break before our next supercars round we thought we'd have a look at uh, a few top fives to go with and we thought we'd kick it off this one with the top five motor racing events that we'd like to get to a bucket list of motor racing events now we're not talking about motor racing tracks because obviously you might want to go to a track but there's many events at uh, all different tracks these are actual motor racing events themselves and uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what we've come up with
1: yeah, this is the uh, when we're all allowed to travel again and have nice things, this is where will we go? Uh, to, to... what
3: I was going, I was going to the Packenham them what cross. What are you, no, what's on your list?
1: No, a little bit further afield, I'm afraid. Um, well, look, I'll, I'll kick things off. We're starting with number five for each one, and we'll work our way through to our number one bucket list events. Uh, I wrote these. Seven minutes before we started recording the podcast. So oh, I, I, was, I, I, was may, I may change them as we go along, but uh, I did come up with some honorary mentions that I bumped out of my top five, but could find their way in depending on what side I get out of bed in the morning. So my honorary mentions very quickly think desert race. Everyone that I know that's gone and worked on it and been on it says it's the most incredible thing. Camp out in the middle of Australia. I love the Red Centre. It's a cool place to go. So I'd love to see that. Uh, NASCAR at Watkins Glen. And if I'm going to do it, I want to do it the full RV experience. I think that'd be tremendous. Home of the best last lap in motor racing history. Uh, Belgian Grand Prix at Spa. Obvious speaks for itself. I want to go and do that and sit at the back of uh, Rouge and watch those things pummel up the hill. I'd love to go and see the Dutch TT at Assen when it's in full flight. There's 125,000 people there um, going absolutely spare. I think that'd be great. And the last of my honorary mentions is anything at Bowman Gray Speedway. Oh. I think that would be tremendous. That didn't quite make my top five. Clearly it made marks. No, it didn't. No. no, Oh, really? I've
3: made made bad life choices not to include it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, Feel free to work it into your top five now. You've got time. So my number five bucket list event, and it was one or the other. They're separated by a main road. Uh, In the end, I went with the Goodwood Revival. Could have done the festival. Yeah. Um, but in the end, the Revival one for me because it's got Spitfires. Uh, because there's an airfield in the middle and they fly in World War II fighter planes while there are old Jags and Mustangs and all that racing around that amazing, terrifyingly dangerous racetrack. So uh, the Goodwood Revival was right on my list because I'd be able to see Spitfires fly once again. I've seen them once. It uh, was incredibly moving, and I want to see that again. So Goodwood Revival is my number five. Who's next?
0: And you can dress up, Richard, at the Not known
1: for dressing up, Dale, but I'd probably make an exception for that event. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, right, I'll have a crack. I, uh, I, I had to leave a couple out. Le Mans, because I've been to it, so that couldn't go on the list, and that, that is a cracker. Um, and I left the Goodwood Festival off my list as well. I have debated the revival of the festival. I think the festival just for the cars and, and the way it runs and and how – Just that whole thing, the ambience goes. So they're the two that didn't make my grade. But um, number five for me is a bit of a sleeper. Um, It's the Canadian Grand Prix. I reckon the Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal is one of the most underrated events in terms of its racing, its spectacle. The spectator facilities around the hairpin and everything are absolutely mind-boggling. And from people I know that have been there, they relate Montreal, downtown Montreal during the Grand Prix to Adelaide in the 80s. So if it's Adelaide in the '80s, I'm going. It's a good um, time, Dale. It was a good time. I reckon <laughs> it's. I reckon it's. It's one of the really coolest Grand Prix. that people just seem to gloss over. It's on often on the long weekend. The racing is always sensational. It's a really tough track. It's fast. It's got. It's got plenty of opportunities to pass. And I think there's a spectacle on that uh, on the Basin on the basin. it's just one that uh, I, I personally love to see.
3: Right. I like that. That's good. Yeah. Uh, mine, I would like to go to Thunder Valley USA for the Bristol night race. I'm a bit of a NASCAR nut and Bristol night race is just nuts. It's it's not the same as it used to be. It used to pack out 165,000 people there and it was absolutely insane. And some of the great fights and the great races that have happened there over time. But you know, these cars are going around an 800 metre track, huge steep was it 24 degree banking in 13 seconds? Well, mm. you have just been saying, that's something I want to see. Obviously, they've changed it now with the dirt race as their first event on the calendar. But uh, I wouldn't want to see the NASCARs there. And, and I think if to see the sprint cars and whatnot else that they run there at Bristol on that short track, I'd probably prefer to go to somewhere like an Eldora or a Knoxville or something like that for those. So for for mine, I'd like to lock in the Bristol night race at number five. Yeah, some notable
2: exceptions for me: uh, Monaco Grand Prix, Goodwill Festival, and also Spa. I think Spa, you know, those, spa Bath or I spa know, well, hours. a Spa Bath at Spa might be the Belgium Grand Prix would probably be more, <laughs> preferable. Uh, likely, uh, I settled on number five for me: the twenty-four-hour Le Mans race, uh, one of the most prestigious races in the world, greatest endurance race in the world, the French countryside, so many cars. So many classes, prototype cars. Did I say French countryside? All that sort of stuff. It would just be an amazing place to be. And also, because it's been about 15 years since I've actually stayed awake for 24 hours doing anything. <laughs>
1: so I'd like to see if I could still do it. Good.
0: I like I can, it. I can endorse that, Tony. It is a cracker of an
1: event. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I, I'm do you actually
2: way. stay awake for the full 24 hours, Dale?
0: I, I did, yeah. I did. I, was, I actually... Richard Davison and I, sorry to digress, we, we dozed off in the in the tent for about an hour and a half at about 5am. But no, we, we had a crack at it. We got there,
3: yeah. I remember the 24 hour in 2003. Uh, I made it through, I think it wound up being about 50 hours in the end there. I tried to have a snooze early in the running, but there was a Surtec Porsche that ran at about 180 decibels, <laughs> which uh, completely undid any idea. Yeah. 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 It was no good. So, uh, yeah, you'll be right, Chebex. You'll be Beautiful. fine. Beautiful. I'm there. Great.
1: So number four for mine, uh, th- this one's a little bit from left field, but uh, I've been watching a bit of this stuff lately and I think they're all mad and it's Rally Finland. Um, <laughs> I, I, it, it's the ultimate WRC event for mine. And you look at Mon- the Monty and things like that. And interestingly, Monaco Grand Prix didn't even make my top 10 for whatever reason because it's uh, such a rubbish and Can race. I
2: just say that I don't want to go, f- that I had it in my uh, exceptions. I don't want to go
1: for the Grand Prix because it's probably one of the most boring Grand Prix. But just to be there in the atmosphere and all that is the reason why I want to go. Yeah, that'd be great. But I can't afford Monaco, so I'm just not even going to bother. Um, Rally Finland, I I think it's incredible. WRC cars at full tilt are phenomenal. And that place is where that phenomenalness is just exaggerated because they're doing 200 k's an hour through a pine forest, flying over those massive jumps. Finland's incredibly beautiful. I know several Finnish people, and they're all brilliant. Um, Christ, they can drink, which is another big tick on the box for mine. Um, I just, I just, It looks like a great carnival event. Go out into the forest, they've got the fires going, they're all drunk on whatever the Finns drink, but watching the best drivers in the world, arguably in these WRC cars, attack those stages flat out, that for mine, it, it's not so much about caring about who wins the rally, but from an experience point of view, I reckon that would be right up there. So that for mine was a surprise, even for me, at number four.
3: Um, I want to get in early here and get this out of the way before you all poach it off me. But uh, it's probably one on my list that will be the hardest to get to with all the border restrictions and whatnot in place in modern life. And I'm, of course, talking about the Collie Motorplex in the <laughs> south of Western Australia. Farsi, oh, you, you're living my dream, Dale. I took Dick Johnson there. Oh, they've, they've tarted it up since then, Dale. It's pretty yeah. swish now, but it's sort of the last track in Australia that I haven't been to. So, Same. yeah,
1: it,
3: it has to be on the list because I've been everywhere else. But oh, I love these rural sort of little tracks that, you know, you. It's built on a on the old infrastructure around the coal mines there and the power station and whatnot. And there's some leftover stuff there. So why don't we jam some tyre walls up and put some ripple strips in? We've got plenty of sand around here. We've got ourselves a racetrack. So Western Australia has two racetracks, and I haven't been to the second one, which is something that I need to fix in my life. So hopefully one day in the far distant future, uh, Western Australia doesn't secede from Australia and you know, oh, we can happening. all – yeah, I know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll I'll re up my passport if it means I get to go there. <laughs> well,
0: not only have I most... been there, mate, I've actually driven around it in the rental car. Well, Dick drove around in a sort of a weird uh, Club XD V8 Falcon.
1: You are living Mark's dream. Uh, this is that is as left field as I more than I expected this went. That that's impressive, mate. That is very impressive. Uh, here I am waffling on about getting drunk in the Finnish forest, watching rally oh. cars,
3: and you're going to Collie. But you could probably get drunk at Collie too. I'm, I'm sure, sure you could, oh, yeah, you That's could probably yeah. cheaper.
0: We uh, Less <laughs> well, I'm going to bring it back to some normality because um, <laughs> I have included Monaco uh, because I want to take my boat in there. Um, so...
3: <laughs> well, how <laughs> big's your boat, Dale? I got all
2: well, the rules, for doesn't this. go Dale,
0: uh, small, but I just want to go in there. Um, look, I just think it's it is it's. Since 1929, it's been the the one that that, uh, that that people sit up and take notice of. It would never get a licence to run a go-kart race in any country in the world today. Uh, but people who have been there, sat at the swimming pool and watched these things go around there, have just said it is just mind-boggling. Uh, so, uh, you know, you might catch up with a few celebs, who knows, get lucky. But, uh, yeah, I want to pull the boat up and uh, head down to the casino square, watch them run down the hill, round it to back, and then uh, go back to the boat for a few, uh, a few beers. But, uh, yeah, look, I think it's one that I definitely want to go to.
2: I seriously thought you were going to say since 1929 I've been wanting to go there. (laughs) (laughs) My number four, and I cannot believe that I'm about to say this because...
3: Oh, Motorplex.
2: Do we need to call him (laughs) lawyers? No, no, no. The Bathurst 12-hour. Oh, yes. uh, A six-hour supercar race around Bathurst is amazing in itself, but I've never actually watched live a Bathurst 12-hour because... Cricket's always been on. It's always mm. taken me away from it. So, twelve hours of watching Porsches, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Mercs, and every other amazing brand name in motor racing, going around the greatest track in the world. I promise I will get there one day. I don't even know the bike that runs it. Do yeah.
0: you? The mayor of Bathurst. Can you put me in, He'll He'll me.
2: in touch? Because I'm out He'll of contact. See <laughs> 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 well, see,
3: there's news on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So the Bathurst 12-hour, yeah, I will get there. I promise I will. Like uh, Shibeki, I promise that you'll get a media pass if you go. Assuming Thank I'm you, still man. working there. Uh, right, halfway through, and I'm now going to the United States of America. And uh, I bandied around quite a few racetracks where I'd like to see these particular cars race, but ultimately it came back to one because I've already seen the biggest of all. I've been to the Indianapolis 500, so I thought, where else could I go? I would love to go to Road America to watch IndyCars. That place is unbelievably good. The race this year was an absolute belter. Um, Current IndyCar racing is fantastic. It's getting more competitive. The cars are awesome. They're throwing more horsepower at them. They look spectacular. It's a real old school road course that produces great motor racing. But outside of that, it's the surrounds and it's everything around it. It's the tailgating, the camping side of it. It just looks like a brilliant festival, again, in a forest. It's a bit of a theme there for mine um, that will continue, believe it or not. Uh, I, I, that's pretty high on my bucket list. I would love, love, love to go to Road America for the IndyCar race. So that's, yeah. uh, that's on the list. And actually, it always falls on my birthday weekend. So that's a pretty good excuse, I reckon. Number three, Road America IndyCars. Right. Uh, I'm
3: a bit late with my Honourable Mention, but my Honourable Mention is the Isle of Man TT. Yeah. And how I'd like to do that would be with whoever the gun photographer is at the Isle of Man TT, tag along with them, see wherever mm. they get to stand and yeah. all the good jumps and whatnot, whatever helicopter they get, get in, get all the good shots. I'd like to do that one day, but that was my honourable mention. My number three is the NRHA, or NHRA four wide nationals in Charlotte. Like proper top fuel dragging, drag racing, but four wide. Mm-hmm. Like I think that would be pretty special. Yeah. So right, right next door the Charlotte Motor Speedway. So I'd love to go to Charlotte for starters, just go and check out all the all the NASCAR uh, home bases that they've got up there, all the shops, and yeah, hang around for the four wide nationals. I reckon that would be pretty tricky. Was, was right at the end of when Humpy Wheeler was running the show there at Charlotte, and I've always had a thing for old Humpy. He had some really good ideas in uh, NASCAR land, and they came up with the four wide drag race track so uh, I've jammed that in there at number three like it like it uh
0: now I know you guys have been there so I'm uh, you're going to give me the stories about it, but Daytona 500 I think is uh, if you don't want to go and see the great American race you're not a race fan um I'd love to have been there in uh, in 88 when Dale Earnhardt won I reckon that would have been one of the the really cool races to see I definitely didn't want to be there when he died um, but look, it, yeah, it's a cracker. It's a, it's a great race. It, it turns on every year. The last 10 laps are electric. And I know that you blokes have sat in the stands and drank a few and just enjoyed every second of it. But it is, it is a marvellous race. It's bizarre that the, the grand final is the first race of the year. It's a very yes. strange thing to do. But it is the great American race and uh, uh, for, certainly for NASCAR. And uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely one for me.
1: Mark's highlight of the entire week we spent in Daytona was when towards the end of the race under a caution period, he ducked down the back and a lady volunteered to refill the cooler with ice. That was, I think, Mark's entire highlight of the whole trip. We, we
3: nailed that trip, didn't oh, we? Oh, yeah, yeah. Those,
1: we, we tripped well.
3: The, was- uh, the homemade trail mix. The yep. yeah you just get nuts and m&ms mostly m&ms that's trail mix Mark. apparently uh save some stories because you might get a chance to tell some of them again very shortly uh, oh duh, there's lots of stories <laughs> well i mean where do you go there's the uh the gun range next to the track that had a six pack and bullet special
1: yeah correct yeah <laughs> shoot beers and, and, be and drink guns it was amazing <laughs>
3: Uh, oh that that was really um, cool i mean we hmm. we sort of did the the whole three-day job up there and the the day before we went to a short track down there at new smyrna which uh you know you could have done whatever was on track at daytona but going to the short track and seeing the old super modifieds highly recommend that is a something a bit different but yeah yeah, Yeah.
2: number three for me is the dakar rally i know fink would be fantastic to do in the middle of australia but that Dakar would be Fink on steroids. Wouldn't it just be absolutely massive? Who is the cartoon character that used to say those words, danger is my business? I think it might have been Cool McCool. Jeez. Uh, wow. And how cool <laughs> would it be to be a Dakar? Danger everywhere you look. Sand, sand, and more bloody sand. The heat, gruelling, vicious, brutal. That's where I've got to be one day. Dakar rally. It would be cool to
1: see Toby Price do crazy yes. stuff there, wouldn't yes. it? Yes. I mean, that yeah. guy is phenomenal. Mm.
2: like it and and to be there a couple of years ago what was about four years ago when he won that first one
1: yeah four or five years ago
2: that would have been amazing
1: yeah no i like it that's that's a good selection it's been some nice left to field ones out of this i I hadn't even considered dakar so well done um my my number two um is not left to field it's pretty much uh on the list of everybody who hasn't been to it and it's Lamar and um, hello to everyone listening through the radio show limited network, the home of radio Le Mans. Yes. Um, looking forward to finally taking you up on that offer to come over and actually work on the bloody race at some point when we're allowed to. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, it, it's, you know, it, it's, I've done Indy Indy was number one on my list. Daytona was right up there as well. So Lamont's the next obvious choice. So it's 24 hour, not much more. I can add to it. Everyone knows what we're talking about.
3: Right. Uh, number two I would like to go to the biggest little city on earth for the fastest motorsport event on earth I don't know about the technicalities of this if it really qualifies for what we're saying here but I want to go to the Reno air races yeah nice like that is just something so ridiculously incredibly stupid that I want to see it before my time's through like just the, the names of the classes, you've got the Formula One, you've got the biplane, you've got the Sport, you've got the T6, you've got the Jet, and you've got the Unlimited. And they're all flying very close to the ground incredibly quickly. And often crashing and burning. Quite often crashing and burning. Well, not there for that, but I'd love to see planes having a race because that just sounds absolutely ridiculous. Like, the fast category is the Jets. Their average lap time in qualifying is over 800 k's an hour. Mm. And it's right in front of your face, and that sounds ridiculous. So yeah, Reno Air Race. And Reno, it sounds like a good place because they've got the National Automobile Museum there.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Although a friend of mine that's been to Reno said, "Eh, it's just a shit version of Las Vegas. But... what's correct. But but Las Vegas doesn't have air racing. So, Mm. told me. Uh put it on the list. Number two. Uh,
0: uh, now, I don't like winter. i put my hand up. I'm a summer boy, but I'm prepared to go into the freezing depths of the cold into Wales to watch what I think is the greatest rally on the, in the planet, which is the rally of Britain. Um, they run it around some amazing forests, some that have been logged. Uh, I, I had uh, was lucky enough to travel a bit through Wales with an old supplier of mine back in my Revolution Rescue days, Cobra Seats. Hello, Cobra Seats, if you're listening saw some of the roads and things. It is just amazing. The thing we don't see on the WIC telecast is actually the depth of the field. Uh, at, at Rally of Britain, there's probably 90-plus cars running, and not only are the WIC cars, which, as Richard's already mentioned, are just something else. I mean, every time they try and slam down, they go faster. Um, but they also have, obviously, the, British, uh, the, the the Formula 2. They have the British Championship. But then they have a whole cracking bunch of, of classics. And weird people turn up. Richard Brooks turns up. Bloody David Coulthard turns up driving them. And they've got old Group B cars, old uh, uh, old escorts and things, all in this eclectic field of 98 or 100 cars running through some of the most beautiful forests in the freezing bloody cold in Wales. Oh. But I reckon it's just one of the cracking rallies of the world. So, yep, that one's for mine. And I, I hadn't thought of Finland, but I might just uh, bookend it.
2: Beautiful picture there, Dale. Right. That, that very, very nicely. My number two is the Isle of Man TT. Have to be the scariest race of all, wouldn't it? Yep. Uh, absolute top speed on two wheels. No safety barriers. The ultimate road uh, street race, isn't it? To an extent. Mm-hmm. I would have banned uh, motorbike races
0: from this. That would be the
2: most amazing race to watch as well. <laughs> what was that, done? I would
0: have banned <laughs> motorbike races from this conversation.
2: Uh, what a beautiful place to see it as well. A little country between England and Wales. The world's greatest road races, a gathering of the mountain course, thirty-seven miles carved out into the island's public road system, and
1: guaranteed casualty every year. Do you, do you, <laughs> and thanks, thanks to the uh, Wikipedia page you read that off of.
3: Do, do you reckon? Well, you can do an work. epilogue on that one. Do you reckon you could do it's, a pub crawl along the various pubs along the track? Surely, it's been surely oh, it's been done. there would have to be a special tour package for that. Ch- surely, Chad.
1: No, if, friend of the show, Chad Nailon has been there and done it. So oh. we will ask Isn't him. It like the Tour de France in a day. Hey, eh? would it be like the Tour de France? Well, no, it's just like well, the Tour de France. It'd, if it's it'd all, all noisy enough, yeah, yeah. Just to be weird. less, there'd be less French people there. Eh? Yeah, that's true. Good point. Hello to everyone listening to us in France. I know we have a large have audience. We, have uh, we been cancelled? No, not yet. Not oh, yet. good. We work it hard, though. It's our own. We publish ourselves, so you can't really cancel us. it it'd be a team decision. Uh, right, number one. And uh, continuing on with that theme, not of being cancelled, but of being uh, crazy sort of last bastion of amazing, perilous events. Uh, where else but the Rocky Mountains, Colorado and Pikes Peak? Pikes Peak. Pike's Peak International yeah. Hill Climb. Uh, ever since uh, colleagues of ours, Neil Crompton and Nathan Prendergast went there and shot a very cool documentary a couple of years ago um, and them, them coming back and telling the stories of what didn't make the doco, that for mine has, and it always has been since Ari Vartnan's Climb Dance. Like that, <laughs> that has captivated me as a motor racing fan since I was a wee boy. Um, it's definitely number one on my list. I would love to go to Pike's Peak Um, John Hindoff from RSL has called it for the last couple of years. Ironically, he's had to do it remotely because of the pandemic and everything, but um, it, it just looks amazing. And those shots from the top of the mountain, when they're hanging a wheel out on the outside of one of the hairpins and there's all of Colorado stretching out in the background or sometimes the clouds. Mm. Um, that just strikes me as one of the coolest things. I would happily go on oxygen because I'd need it at 14,000 feet um, to, to see that race. So my number one is the Pikes Peak international hill climb.
3: Right. So my number one, bit of a story here back in the day, I went on holidays with uh Andrew Van Lauren and our wives down to Langries in the bottom of Germany, down bottom Bavaria, there went skiing and I guess drinking, because the next morning I got up and had to go for a little walk and wear it <laughs> off. And there was a poster in one of the bakery windows, and it was a motorbike towing a dude on skis. And I'm like, oh. oh, that looks all right. That looks like a piece of me. And it had that day's date on it. So I took a photo of it. I'm not real crash out of the whole speaking German thing. So I took it back to the team. What's all this about? Oh, that's ski yoring. It's on today in the paddock over there. All right, well, let's go and have a gander at that. So there was just a paddock, uh, snow as far as you could see, some sprigs of whatever the local tree was, marking out a bit of an oval. There were a whole heap of speedway bikes, uh, you know, the ice speedway bikes that they've got over there. And there were skiers with a short stretch of rope. And they were having these races around this paddock. And it was nine o'clock in the morning. Everyone's drinking beer. It was minus eight degrees and it was the most sensational racing you've ever seen in your life because there were people getting wiped out, falling off. You know, the ski would fall off and the guy wouldn't notice it, and he'd just spear off down the other end of the track. It was fantastic. We couldn't wait all day, but, you know, that left a bit of an impression. So I went home and started researching this stuff and this ski yoring, they call it, the act of having something tow you around in a competition. It might be an animal, it might be a motorbike. Back in the day, they used to have cars towing skiers around in competition. You know, how cool is this? And, you know, it's something that's big up in the the very cold parts of the world. So I assumed that it would be something that they'd be still running in Russia. Because that just sounds like a very Russian thing to do, isn't it? We've got an old Skoda or something out the back here. We're going to tie a ski to the back of it and have a race. A larder. A larder. That's what I'm looking for. Mm. But I was wrong because it was actually a lot closer to home because uh, the family used to have a bit of a shack down in Kitsbuehl. Next town over from Kitsbuehl, they have an event there in February called the GP Ice Race, which is something where, okay, it's cars towing skiers around, but it's Formula E, Le Mans prototypes, rally cars, all this kit, for some ridiculous reason, it's organised by Ferdinand Porsche Jr. They go and mark out a tracking the snow on the lake in the city of in the town of zell in austria and have these ridiculous races they had an audi dtm car that porsche cayman gd4 rally car they had all this ridiculous kit and they're tying skiers around and having a great time and there's ten thousand people there so that sounds like an absolute piece of me it's like a bit of a goodwood festival but it's drinking in the snow yeah, which yeah. is is all a bottom four so i'd like to lock in at number one for me the gp ice race i'm glad it's a thing mm. nice yeah. wow i learned something yeah, yeah. it's mm.
0: news to me too um yeah. now, now i i know this is a bucket list one i've actually been there but i've never been there when there's a race on so oh. um so i'm gonna i'm still getting
1: count- the rules but i think it counts yeah no,
0: Co- collie, anyway, collie because, motorplex because yeah collie motorplex <laughs> <laughs> because I've done the bus tour in winter, I've done the museum in winter, uh, I've stayed downtown at winter time at the PRI show on four occasions, but I've never seen a car turn a wheel at the Indianapolis 500, or Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Number one for me is Indy 500, I know you guys have been there, um, I'll swap all the mine and you can do an Indy or whatever, but... Uh, uh, I think it's just, you know, it, it is clearly one of the great events of the world. I still have, I hope, some good stocks with my friends and contacts at Team Penske. I have an invitation to go, like you do, Richard LeMond. So I am definitely going to take that up if we can ever do it again. But uh, yeah, for mine, Indy 500. I haven't been um, to see the race, got to see that one.
1: Watching an Indy car turn into turn one yep. at 238 miles per hour is yep. pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Um, but and, the whole we both whole had different thing. views of that you yeah. had
2: the, you had the view of the car coming front onto you,
1: yeah, this was and carb I had day. the view of the car from behind mm, this was carb day, and I was very hungover, but um, the hangover went real quick yeah uh, right. it, it was um yeah it, it's special, but it's it's the whole thing and and they talk about how special that race is. Uh, all the time, and and the build up in the pantry, and you just can't quite imagine it until you actually it see does. it happen. I'm sure that's right. And and we watched it build up from five o'clock in the morning when we yeah. snuck in, um, from the cannon going off to open the gates, and then it was basically six hours of the speedway just filling up with 450,000 people, and just the the marching bands going around the track, and yeah. the old indie cars, and yeah, oh, gee, we could spend an entire podcast talking about that trip. No, that's a good selection. It's a very, very good selection. Highly do it, Dale. Do
2: it, do it, do it. My number one is the Daytona 500, having done the Indy 1000. Uh, 500. The 500. How can I work out? We're going for about <laughs> 6 hours, too. <laughs> the Daytona 500 is definitely on top of the list for me. And you guys can tell me all about it. You've been there. The first race of the new season, as you said, Dale, new drivers into NASCAR, new drivers into teams, the expectation. It's in Florida, so you know the weather's
3: going to be pretty amazing. Please explain to me why I would want to do this, boys. Well, Friday night for the truck race, everyone crashes. Uh, Saturday night for the Xfinity race, everyone crashes. And then they all have another crash again on Sunday for the 500.
1: Which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah.
3: Fine by It's that. just you, you got to be a bit drunk to enjoy that because it's just a bit silly and Dangerous?
2: Is it um, another one that you have to do in a motorhome? You have to do the tailgating and all that. No,
3: like, no, we, I wouldn't.
1: Not, not for that one. I'd no? um do the full proper grandstand seat. Like get that. get the bus yeah. in and out and everything. Like it's it's. It was, it was easy.
3: It was easy. Yeah. It was cheap. Got a good hotel down the road in Orlando. Yeah. Um, you get the garage pass for the Saturday, so you can go on the infield and experience yeah. that whole sort of uh, setup. You can go in the pits. Is very different pit access there like if you can get on the infield the, the give the fans a fair bit of a insight into the garages it's all open pit wall policy there in the mm. garage it's not like supercars where it's a closed shop and you're not allowed to look in yeah. If you're a punter they've got a glass wall there and you can see absolutely everything that happens in the garage so very different you know little grid walk uh that you've got to take a nico pen with you that was yeah. the, the one thing we got right we took a nico pen because before it's the race you you know, an indelible marker. You know, sharpie oh, yeah, is
1: sharpie.
3: Yeah, yes. And you can go and write whatever you want on the track or the walls or whatever. That's just what everyone does. That's the tradition there. So everyone's just roaming around the track half an hour before the biggest race in the NASCAR calendar, and you write messages to your mates. Didn't Call you, it you urinate on a
1: wall or something? No, something to do with water? No, cool, well, cool that the bag was... had a small
3: lake. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We we ourselves. We kicked ourselves off the racetrack pretty quickly after that.
1: Yeah, we? when you're sitting on the start finish line and uh, drinking a, a Miller Light, uh, I think we're on the Miller yeah, Lite program. Yeah, yeah. and um, you look down and go, "Dude, oh, there's a bit of, bit of water on the racetrack." That's that's far from ideal. And then you look at your cooler, and it's coming out of your cooler. Yeah, um, we we decided that that was the point where we'd seen enough of the speedway itself, yeah. and we'd go to our seats and sit down <laughs> and have a hot dog and uh, and watch the
3: race. But uh, that's good. But- Florida's pretty good fun, isn't it? You got Cape yeah. Canaveral there. That'd Be great. We yeah. we did a little trip down to Sebring. I mean, Sebring was a bit different. Out of race weekend, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, that was cool. reminded no, me of Malala. Yeah, you're giving Sebring a bit of credit there. That's um, <laughs> Malala's a hell of a place. Um, and look, if those touring cars still went to Malala, I would put that on my bucket list. Even though I'd I was going to put
2: well. Hyundai racing
1: on at Malala. Oh, In mate, the it's the best thing you've ever seen. Seriously. Fantastic. Well, we've done well, gents. We have 18 different bucket list events of our... Of twenty. So that's that's pretty good. The only double ups were Le Mans and, uh, and Daytona 500. So that's that's pretty good. That's a very cool well, list. We'll publish it, that on the race talk tomorrow.
3: It's not real good if we want to take friends to these big events, is it? We'll be going by ourselves. But I'll tell you what, it gives you a lot of podcasts. Yeah, it does. It does Exactly.
1: No, that's good. We love it. And we'd love your uh, feedback too, folks, as well. Uh, Hit us up on our socials. We'll we'll publish this list as a story on theracetalk.com soon after the podcast goes live. So give us your feedback. We'd love to know where you'd like to go. There's probably some events that we'd uh, not encountered that we'll add to our own lists, I'm sure. So please jump on board. Uh, hit us up via our socials at the Race Talk or on the racetalk.com. Let us know and uh, yeah, tell us what your bucket list event for motor and racing I, around the world is.
2: And I am currently in discussion with Chris Neville Smith about getting a uh, tour up to the Indy 1000.
1: So if you'd like the to One <laughs> we'll
2: get there. <laughs> good
1: well, on that's you boys. Good, that's a good list. I like it. We'll do more of these. If you've got a, a top five bucket list or top five something you'd like us to yeah. talk about, hit us up. At the top race five pit lanes, can we get that in? No, no, no. no. It's no. Uh, top five places to have a beer at the end of a day at a racetrack. Oh. That's a good one. Oh. That's a good one. We've got eight weeks until oh. they race again. We have got lots of time. <laughs> Let's do that.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, catch you soon, get folks. Thank you me. for joining us right here on the grid.